Let's go to God in prayer. Oh Lord, sometimes we feel that both our hearts and our lives have been shattered into thousands of pieces and we don't know what to do or which way to turn. We feel that we have no strength left and that everything in our lives has become an utter failure. Have mercy on us, we pray, according to your great goodness and abundant grace. Lord, we know that your word says that you will give strength to the weary and hope to the distress, and we feel both weak and in distress, and we ask for your help and strength. Help us to wait on you, abide in you, and rest in your love, because we know that you have promised that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and rise up with the wings of eagles. Thank you also that you have promised to heal the brokenhearted and restore those that are hurting. Heal our shattered hearts, we pray, and restore to us the joy of our salvation. This we ask in Jesus' precious name. Let all God's people say, amen. Those are showers of mercy coming down. Well, beloved in Christ, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Zephaniah 3, verse 17, the second part. We uh, read there, the Lord will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that beautiful? To think that the Lord God takes great delight in you, rejoices over you with singing. When we sing in church, we call it praising God, right? Lifting our songs of praise to him who is worthy of all praise, trusting he is listening to our praises and our singing. You ever stop to think that the Lord God is singing over you at the same time? He is staring at you, catching his breath, his heart so filled with love for you that he breaks into song, rejoices over you with singing. I wonder what God's singing sounds like. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us something important about God to include in our Our God series. When we think about who God is, what the Bible says about him, God is personal. And we know that is true because the Bible, God's word, reveals that God has emotions. Perhaps we're a little uncomfortable thinking that about God that way. God is, well, he's transcendent. He's wholly other. He is so far beyond us. He is creator. We are created. He is perfect. We are not. He is holy. We are not. Do we dare say God has Emotions. Emotions, such a, such a human thing. It seems like such a, such a sign of weakness, humanness, emotions. Don't be so emotional, we say sometimes. And yet the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 27, first chapter, we read, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And guess what mankind, human beings, have a good deal of? They make up a big part of who we are, emotions. There's the physical us, of course, arms, legs, nose, ears, hair, elbows, and we respond to things physically all the time. I want a bowl of cereal, 
use my legs, walk to the fridge, use my hand, open the door, use my fingers, wrap them around the milk jug handle, walk to the cupboard, grab a box of cereal, pour some in a bowl, pour in milk, maybe with two hands so I don't spill, pick up a spoon with my hand, dip it in the bowl, scoop it out, some cereal, move it with my arm to my mouth, put it in, chew it with my teeth, taste it with my tongue, swallow it with my throat, and with my voice say, they're great. Bet you didn't see that one coming. But then there's also the spiritual, the spiritual us in there too. Right? Before I pour the milk, I fold my hand. I think about the blessing of accessible food, and my soul reacts and thanks God, and I am filled with trust and gratitude, with an emotion of thankfulness to God. And this doesn't happen once a day. I might get in my car, back out of the garage, forget about the garbage can at the end of the driveway, and at the last second, I am surprised by the warning siren of the backup camera. And with fear, I slam on my brake, and with relief, I stop in time. Emotions straight from my soul. Surprise, fear, relief. Thankfulness, happiness, sadness, disgust, contempt, anger, joy, primary emotions, secondary emotions, and so on. Psychologists have a field day with this kind of stuff. But really, these things of the mind or the soul, these emotions, are just part of what it means to be a person. And each person is made in the image of God. Emotions come from God. We forget God is not only transcendent, he is also personal. And if we are made in his image, he too must have emotions. Friends, you don't have to read a ton of the word of God to realize this is true. Our God is a personal God who displays emotions. I'd like to give you a sampling of them. And I'm not going to worry about whether or not these are, by definition, officially emotions or feelings or behaviors, etc. We're not getting bogged down with that technicality. We simply want to see that, that we do a lot of things and are the way we are because we are made in the image of the one who did these things first and is the way he is. So feelings, emotions, behaviors, we're lumping them all together to show how personal God is. Okay, are you ready? We already talked about one from Zephaniah. The Lord God delights and rejoices over us with singing. There it is, the emotion of joy. God experiences and displays joy. Psalm 37, verse 12, we read, The wicked plot against the unrighteous, excuse me, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The Lord is laughing in this verse at the ridiculous plots formed against him. All right, next, Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things which the Lord hates, hates, yes, Seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies and who spreads strife among brothers. Did you hear it? Hatred. 
Hatred is what God displays against sin. God hates sin. Another one. We've got hatred. There's got to be love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Where is that verse found, beloved? John 3.16, of course. And, and there we read that God's emotions include love. And he showed that emotion that flows out of his nature in an incredible way by giving Jesus to us, his son, to the world. Love. Now, we already have a joy example, but listen further to Jeremiah 32, verse 41, the way God's joy is described in this verse. God says, I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Those are emotion words. How much more personal can God get in describing himself? All my heart and soul are wrapped up into rejoicing over them. Another one, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord God appeared to Solomon in a dream and said to Solomon to ask God for whatever he wanted God to give to him. So Solomon replies to God, I'm a brand new king but I'm just a little punk, and I don't know what I'm doing. So my ask of you is going to be this. I want you to give me what, beloved? Wisdom, of course, discernment for deciding right and wrong as he rules the people. What a great request. Well, God thought so too. Verse 10 says, the Lord was pleased, pleased that Solomon had asked for this. God, in other words, was filled with the emotion of good pleasure, happiness. How about that? Go the opposite direction, though. Numbers 11, verse 1. Here's one of those many times the people of Israel were murmuring against God in the wilderness. You know, food too hot, too cold, not enough, too much, no water, uh, bitter water, feet hurt, too much, too much walking. Complain, complain, complain. And here we have verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. That emotion of anger. And it wasn't reserved for groups of people either. Moses, of all people, Moses experienced God's emotion of anger when he was making excuses about going to see Pharaoh back in Exodus 4, 14. Well, what if Pharaoh doesn't believe me or listen to me? And then it progressed to, well, I'm not very eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And then finally, an outright refusal. Lord, please send someone else to talk to Pharaoh. And then we read it. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. And you probably know the story. God sent Aaron, Moses' brother, to go along with him to speak the words Moses gave him to speak. But there it was, the Lord's emotion of anger. There's another one in... Exodus 34, verse 14. You remember the first commandment of the ten? God gave to Moses on the mountain. was, of course, have no other gods before me. Second commandment, don't make an idol or worship an idol. And God says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous 
God. And this command needed frequent reinforcement for God says in Exodus 34, 14, when God is giving the Ten Commandments a second time, God and Moses are conversing about all of this, and God says this, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Think of that, would you? God tells Moses, I'm not only jealous, you can call me jealous as a proper name. Capital J, my name is Jealous. How about that for an emotion? That's the good kind of jealousy too, right? The classical meaning of being jealous. God was jealous for the love, the obedience, the trust, the dependence and loyalty of his people. God wanted that loyalty of the people all to himself. No one else allowed to break into that. No other God allowed it's not the covening kind of jealousy as if God needed something that the other gods had. No, God jealously guarded the love and loyalty of his people. And this emotion of jealousy shone through as he said, even his name is jealous. Two more, Genesis 6.6. 6. The world is new, lots of people now, and they're wicked. They are living up to their fall into sin. We're getting close to God wiping out humanity except for Noah and his family through the flood. And we read this telling news article, if you will. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And verse 6, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. I hear a God there in that passage who is filled with an emotion over his created human beings, filled with regret, filled with, well, grief. He's grieving over what he has made. Very emotional verse we read there. But let's not end it there. We travel to the Psalms now. Psalm 116, verse 5. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is filled with compassion. Or the familiar 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That wonderful emotion wells up often in God, a heart for us full of compassion. Sure need it. And we took this trip through the Old Testament all to show that God is personal, more personal maybe than, than we remember him to be. And him being personal for us, not only transcendent, holy above us and beyond us, but personal for us. This means that he's filled with emotion to deny that to deny that he is that is to deny that he possesses personality. He's not just some giant, unfeeling, unthinking, emotionless deity. No, he has emotions, and as people made in his image, so do we, obviously. And we're allowed to have them, allowed to show them, too, allowed to get angry, to be filled with compassion, to grieve, to be filled with joy, 
and so on. But if we're made in God's image, then it's transforming to remember God has emotions too. We didn't look at the New Testament tonight, but we know this is true because Jesus, the Son of God, was filled with emotion in his ministry. He grieved over the sin of the people as he looked out over Jerusalem. He was angry when he overturned the tables of the money changers. He wept when his friend Lazarus died. He had compassion on hungry people at the seashore. He was overcome with sorrow in Gethsemane. And friends, when we read about Jesus, this personal Savior and Lord, this not only transcended God, but right in our midst, imminent, personal, when we read about Jesus in the New Testament who took on human flesh and lived and breathed among us as a person, do you know who it is that is being revealed to us? It's our Father in heaven. It's God himself. Jesus said in John 14, verse 9, whoever has seen me, has seen the Father, said that to Philip after three years of ministering side by side with him. You still don't know me? You're asking to see the Father? How can you say that, Philip? When you look at me, who do you think you're looking at? God the Father. Beloved, he is one personal God with a whole storehouse of emotions in his heart. Of course, God's emotions are untainted by sin. They're perfect. Always perfect. And not only that, just because God shows different emotions at different times, this does not change, or this does not, I should say, damage or, or put into danger what we call the immutability or the permanence of God's will or His promises. It doesn't damage that or, or put that into danger, his immutability, his, his permanence. I, I heard about, um, a few times, about Wyoming Park Christian Reformed Church, the building there on 28th Street in Byron Center, our previous worship location. There it was, Malachi 3, verse 6. What did it say, friends? Anyone remember? I, Jehovah, change not. Of course you remember. Good old American Standard Version, black cover, red tips on the pages, the Spines title font made it look like it said the Moly Bible instead of the Holy Bible. At least that's what Bible we had in my church pews growing up. Guessing Wyoming Park had that too. The Moly Bible. I used, to, I used to read that Bible while the minister was preaching. And as I think back, I should have been listening to the message because that was probably easier to listen to than that version was to read. Anyway, we talk about the immutability, the permanence, or the unchanging nature of God. That is true in reference to his immutable will, his loving nature. But it doesn't mean God isn't personal. It doesn't mean God doesn't have emotions, perfect though they are. We have only to read the word and see Jesus to realize this is true. 
But his emotions and our emotions, they're not exactly the same, of course, because we're sinners and our brains are finite. You'd never say about God, for example, his emotions are clouding his judgment. You say that about people because our sinful nature has corrupted our emotions. God's emotions are incorruptible. He has no sin in him. God's anger is rooted in his perfect divine justice, for example. It's perfectly righteous anger, never capricious or malicious in his anger. God never sins. You can't say that about human beings. Our anger can be sinful. We can be angry out of revenge or just because It can be volatile and subjective, out of control. Our anger is too often sinful. We need to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And when we are, we can be righteously angry about injustice, as an example. God, on the other hand, starts out perfect in his emotions and remains perfect in his emotions. We start out sinful in our emotions, and during our lives, we don't need to get rid of our emotions necessarily. We need to have them sanctified. Slowly but surely, we let the Holy Spirit do that work as we partner with him. God's emotions are rooted in his holy nature, and he always expresses them sinlessly. His compassion Sorrow, joy, anger, and of course his love always are perfect expressions of his perfect nature. And as a matter of fact, while our emotions are often unreliable and unstable, God's emotions are completely and always dependable and immutable just as he is. His emotions always flow from his perfection. And since he is personal and we're made in his image, he understands our emotions and what we go through. He created us with the capacity for emotion, and he knows exactly what they're about. I'm glad about that. I'm glad about that. I hope you are too. It's transforming to know that God has emotions, perfect as they are, and that he's so personal. We have a personal Lord and Savior for that. We are filled with emotion. But let's stop now with the verse we started with. The Lord will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This is our God. This is our God. Taking delight, great delight in you. In love, no longer rebuking you. And rejoicing over you with singing. How can that be? This whole sermon we've been saying... Human beings, on the other hand, are sinful. We give God no good reason to delight in us, to no longer rebuke us, to rejoice over us with singing. No good reason. And then we remember once more why he can. For in love for us, God came to this earth, became one of us, shed tears for us, was angry at our sin, grieved over it, 
died on the cross for that sin, took the punishment we deserve for that sin, rose from the dead to give us eternal life that we could only look for in futility. And then we remember it's because of Jesus, because of God and his gracious, loving heart. Only because of Jesus and what he did does God delight in us and no longer rebuke us and rejoice over us with singing. Because it's in Jesus we have been given faith to believe, and it's Jesus who has taken up residence in our hearts. It's Jesus who has united us to himself. So it's Jesus, the person of Jesus, that his Father sees every time he looks at you and me. And he is filled with the deepest emotional love for him and us that there ever was, ever is, and ever shall be. If that doesn't make your emotion well up for your personal Lord and Savior, nothing will. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves, and we need your healing touch on our lives today. You know all about the emotional pain that we've been going through, and oh Lord, we need you to come into our hearts to bind up the brokenness within us. We feel that we have been battered and bruised emotionally and are almost gasping for breath due to the pain that has been stabbing our hearts. Lord, you know that we have no one in whom we can confide, because no one really understands the searing wounds that have shattered inside us and the deep anguish we are going through. Oh Lord, we come to you to heal our emotions, heal our wounded hearts, we pray, heal the anguish that is deep inside. Lord, flood every corner of our being with your soothing balm and your healing love. And root out all the negative emotions that bubble inside us like a smoldering volcano. Release into the aching void within your love and your peace, your hope and your gracious presence. And gently carry us as a kindly shepherd would carry a frightened little wounded lamb. Lord, we are trusting in you because we know that you alone can be trusted. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.